0: guess what? We're back. It's been a week. We're here. We're still in your ear. The nose bleeds. I suppose that would be in your nose, but we're in your ear and your nose. I'm Don Kagan Fleming. I'm awkward. That's my life.
1: I'm uh, Matthew Coit, next head coach of the Montreal Canadians.
0: Oh my God, it's true. You're coming on. You're coming on to the staffing place, Luke Richards. This is
1: here. the my official like campaign speech for the job because I feel like I could just do it.
0: This is like, this is your real world audition.
1: Exactly. <laughs> there you go. It's like when you see those old auditions of like Game of Thrones actors. And it was this, like, this is just Jon Snow like in a V-neck. <laughs> this, this is your Seth Rogen auditioning for Dwight on The Office. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's exactly oh. like that. Um, speaking of the uh, Montreal Canadiens, you just want to dive into what was probably the biggest news of the week, which was the Montreal Canadiens uh, firing head coach Claude Julien and assistant coach Kirk Muller uh, and replacing them with other assistant coach, Dominic Ducharme.
0: Yeah. I, I was, I, I hesitate to use the term happily surprised because like, you know, I don't want to see anyone get fired. Like it sucks, mm-hmm. whatever, you know? Um, but at the same time, you know, hockey, we've talked about it before. It is a, it's a conservative field, not just, I'm not speaking politically here, but conservative in the sense that there is a lot of wait and see Mm -hmm. and those are not usually the successful teams um I was thinking you know what this is the time to make a coaching change like it's very clear one's needed and I went wow you know what? props to for doing the it is the obvious thing but it's not the quote-unquote obvious thing in the hockey world right now to just Mm -hmm. to hand someone 20 games or so in
1: Yeah, I feel like with uh, Julien, I mean, clearly from a coaching perspective, he is one of the better coaches in the league. If you Mm -hmm. look at his five-on-five numbers, his teams always do well. His his team's always performed. He's won a Stanley Cup. Um, He's never really coached an absolutely horrid team that didn't have other issues. From a coaching perspective, Claude Julien is a good coach. I agree with what you say. Hockey uh, for too long has been a sport that where people keep their jobs long past their expiration date. You see coaches keep their jobs uh, way past the time they've lost the room or their strategy stopped working. You see GMs keep their jobs for uh, decades too long sometimes. Uh, and they build <laughs> Franchises where they go to one cup final and then they sign Matt Duchesne to an eight-year deal. Lou Lamorello is coming to break your legs as Lula, you sit. I mean, do you think this little mustache here is enough for me to get fined on a Lou Lamorello team? Is the, this is the most I've ever seen you have. And it's, I was wondering if it was a shadow. Pre- and I appreciate that,
0: um,
1: <laughs> but I think, you know, firing Claude Julien, uh, replacing him with Do- Dominic Ducharme. Uh, I'm not sure if Ducharme is your long-term guy, if he doesn't have success for the rest of this season, but in terms of a competent assistant coach who can step up and fill the role as an interim, Dominic Ducharme is, is a pretty good choice. You know, he, he won a Memorial. He was a good coach in junior. He apparently resounds well with the young players. Um, if it's just a case of a coach losing the room or kind of being tuned out, it's a, it's a good change of pace. And while, uh, Claude Julien is not the first coach I would have expected, uh, to get fired, um, not the first coach, but you know, the next coach to get fired on, on the list of, uh, people on the hot seat. Uh, it is always welcome to see surprises in a league that so little offers them.
0: I see, I think Ducharme is a guy that throughout this year, you and I might disagree on. Mm-hmm. I think I – I look, if he has a brutal season, like just terrible and nothing changes, is he going to be the head coach long-term? Probably not. But when they brought this guy in as an assistant, I saw it at least as this is the next head coach, or at least maybe him or Bouchard, who they've hired in the AHL. Like the, they brought those two guys in together in an offseason as the future. Because mm-hmm. Ducharme has been kind of groomed to be a head coach at a certain point. His junior time, his time with the world juniors, and – He is, from what I've seen and what I've liked about him over the years, is he's kind of the opposite of the problem that I saw with Claude Julien. In that, like you said, Claude Julien has a lot of great things about him as a coach. Mm -hmm. A lot. But for me, the problem is the game was starting to pass him by. It hadn't fully happened yet. He wasn't, you know, some kind of, you know, he wasn't using tools that were, were well long gone for a coach. He wasn't a dinosaur by any exactly. means. Exactly, that's the term I'm looking for. He wasn't a dinosaur, but do I think his current style is in danger of becoming one in this league? In a league that is getting faster and faster, and I don't just mean in terms of how they're skating, the, the pace at which the game is changing is faster than ever in my opinion. And that's awesome as mm-hmm. a fan of the game to see new developments, to see how things are changing. And I think Ducharme is a kind of guy Who can roll with that? Do I think it's going to be perfect? Do I think the Habs are suddenly going to win a cup or or win the division this year? No, I I don't believe that. Mm -hmm. But the fact that two games in, you know, he's coached two games so far, that I've even seen a change in style and not just a change in energy. Oh, boys, go get them. But a change in style within two games with no real practice time makes me wonder like is this a guy who could actually make changes that isn't just deployment changes that isn't just like how to win the room back but actually implement something forward thinking in terms of how they play
1: i'm just checking the uh the stats for um the past two games they've been against the jets uh a 6-3 loss on thursday and a 2-1 loss uh i believe yesterday uh yesterday um and I mean, do we want to say like the real issue with this team is is it really coaching, or is it the fact that uh Kerry Price is just not making saves? And I cause that's the the two one game against Winnipeg, good job. You know, they it was a good out- game.
0: Yeah. But
1: it was Jake Allen in that. And he made, I think, 29 saves. Um he made oh, sorry, he made uh 21 he made 19 saves on twenty one shots. They also
0: they also out they in terms of shot attempts doubled Winnipeg basically. Yeah. And then they that lost. that game was one where that game just gave me flat. Well, like I said, good game, but it starts for with having sure. a goal and making saves for sure. For me, I looked at that game and I saw every game that people played against the Montreal Canadians in 2015 on the other side of things, mm-hmm. where it was just like, you can throw 40 shots in there and you're going to get one goal, no matter how badly the other team plays against you.
1: Yeah. And if you were to currently for Carey price, 12 games into the season for him, um, and you were to say, you know what? is he having a good year? Um, he has a 313 goals against average. And which is like a stat where you're like, maybe he's just on a bad team. And then you look at his save percentage and it's like an 888. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure where that ranks in the league. I'll, I'll look it up next, but uh, it's, I mean, what's that? There's a, there's a famous saying where it's behind every great coach. There's a goalie actually doing the work.
0: Yeah. So. <laughs> I, I, here's the thing. I think the reverse can be just as true for me. I look at it. It's, So often one gets blamed for the other. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, is Price as much of a problem as you're saying? 100%. This has been a weird season to watch for him, Mm -hmm. especially because other than his most recent game, the the 6-3, his high danger save percentage was weirdly high. And don't get me wrong, you're not going to catch me saying he's playing well. But I don't remember the last time I saw that where a goalie's, like, low-danger save percentage or or just regular scoring chance to save percentage was so terrible and his high-danger one was so high. I mean, I, was- I
1: really have to scroll pretty far oh, to see character. terrible plays. start to like, the season. Lem- There's a lot of goalies who are having pretty tough starts, though, like Carter Hart's having a, a, a rough one. Robin Leonard's having a rough one. Um, you know, but if, if – if, I mean – you're right. If Carey Price is closer to Matt Murray than he is, uh, you know, Carter Hutton, it's, it's probably an issue. And yep. like I said, Claude Julien, a really good five on five coach. If it's just a matter of he lost the room, not like in a bad way, just it happens as a coach you gotta stay, you're welcome. Players need a change. I totally understand doing so. If you're Mark Bergeron, if you're the GM, you need to make the changes where you can, but if it's a, a performance thing, you kind of, it, it's tough. To just look at the two guys you're paying the most money to who are have been the main issues on this team, frankly. Yep, and if you're Dominic Ducharme now, you're a first time head coach. You're not, I mean, significantly older than Shea Weber, <laughs> like, <laughs> he's like, not in a bad way. He just, he's just young, I think, for head coach. I think Ducharme's I- 47, he's brand new. Yeah, I think he can pro- possibly offer a lot of really great things based on his experience in junior, but the two main things realistically, from an objective point of view, he needs to do is uh, sit Kerry Price and play Shea Weber way less. Mm -hmm. And those are the two dudes with the most influence on this team. They're the two of the most well-liked players in the city, in the locker room, in the media. And it's just a very difficult situation for a first-time
0: head coach. Absolutely. The thing I do look at there is, do I think... Kerry Price is his heart self anymore. No. Do I think he's realistically a sub 900 goalie as a player? No. If I had to roll the dice, if I had to bet money on it, I would say he's probably going to get there at some point in the season. Whether that's elite form or passable is a question for sure. Mm -hmm. I think sitting him for a while is a good move, especially with how Allen's played this season. Mm -hmm. But I look at this team and – The question for me is when you're bringing a new head coach, are they closer to how they started the year or how they finished Claude Julien's term? My bet, if I had to bet it's closer to start of the year, do I think they're the team that started the year? No, but I look at a pretty good young core and then that's the thing. You got to figure out the old guys as the new coach. You got to figure out how you can manage that. You got to figure out how to maximize guys. Mm -hmm. And I look at him come in and I think, what I was frustrated watching with Claude Julien's teams was a similar thing that happened at the end of his time in Boston. He is a great, one of his greatest strengths, and it's why, what drives a lot of his good five-on-five five numbers is possession. He's a possession coach. The problem is that gets stale if you don't do something with possession. And yeah. yes, that does, the execution does have to go to the players for sure, but you've got to put a structure that, that knows how to do something with possession. The amount of, like, weird pot shots guys would take from, like, just, basically the blue line just shovel it to Weber every chance they got or take a shot from like the end of the circle like and you know it's the equivalent of a team that just takes long two-footers in basketball like long two-pointers in basketball
1: like the mid-range jumper without any without the ability to cut
0: the basket or or hit along a deep one you know beyond the arc and then I don't know and just one thing that always bothered me was his Claude Julien's changes were weirdly frustrating. Like not just the bench minors that they would get, but so often there would just be mistakes in the in the line changes, and you'd see a chance go the other way. You get a lot of two on ones. They should and have he was,
1: hired a, a minor hockey coach, Dad, to run the bench. <laughs> well, because they'll know just what? grab. I remember just being grabbed by the back of the helmet and thrown on the ice. <laughs> like,
0: That's ragdoll. The one time we skated together, okay, it won't happen again. <laughs> But the one interesting thing was a tweet from Habs fan favorite and Dutch Gretzky, Ooh, Dale Weiss. Nice. Love him. Talking Legend. about it, who is now launching some weird new program that I'm ecstatic to see <laughs> just the mess that it is, in a good way, a, the good kind of mess, um, saying that when he played for Claude Julien, he just wouldn't, like, prep the line. Like, he wouldn't say, like, all right, these guys are up next. It would just kind of be chaos. hmm and it makes so much sense now. <laughs> it makes so much sense. I was like, 20 hockey players can't be this stupid when it comes to something they've been doing their entire lives, changing lines. <laughs> and it just makes sense now. That alone might be worth the coaching change. <laughs> because, and honestly, it does kind of add into the one thing that Ducharme has talked a lot about, which, God, I love and I didn't realize was missing as much as it was from Claude Julien's offense, is support. Mm-hmm. Have it, like using your F3 effectively when you enter the zone, like having guys actually using each other as weapons. So it's not just one guy, like just watching drawing be lost and try to dangle through three guys by himself while a line change happens. And I don't know, (laughs) Suzuki has to trip over Sherratt going in. I think that (laughs) might be the biggest change that they see once they get the system down. Mm -hmm. Some people expect a coaching change to meet like change. Next game Mm -hmm. is not going to happen.
1: I mean, it, it all depends if, if Ducharme kind of gets another season. We'll see his actual real techniques right now. It's probably just, you know, patch the holes in the ship and keep it afloat. I feel like from his perspective, um, I have a fun little website. You mentioned coaching changes and uh, I'm on sportsbettingdime.com and they have a list of the odds of the next head coach to get fired in the National Hockey League. Uh, and I, I think it'd be fun if we put some, you know, a little bit of money down, five bucks each. And we'll see if we can, if we can strike it big. Um, I'll, I'll name you the the top. You already owe me a pint from our last bet. So I'm feeling And a bit I mean, you're, you're collecting here. So <laughs> here we go. Um, here's a, here's our, here's the top 10 coaches and their odds to be fired. Uh, first place, Travis Green at 250. John Hines at 500. David Quinn at 700. DJ Smith also at 700. Jeff Blassill at 800. Bob Bogner at 800, Rick Tockett at 1,000, Rick Bonus at 1,200, Dallas Eakins at 1,400, and Ralph Krueger also at 1,400. Um, if I'm making a bet, I'm putting some money on Ralph Krueger. I feel like he's the next one up. Uh, that Buffalo team is not just bad, but pretty just horrid to watch.
0: Here's the thing. So the only reason I won't bet on Krueger being fired is because it would mean the Buffalo Sabers did something intelligent in their organization. <laughs> what a factory of sadness that team is. But uh, I, yeah, Ralph Kruger somehow convincing the hockey world that he's this exiled genius, and I, then I was I was on board with that. I thought he was. I was completely fooled. I was I was for a bit calm. when I watched the Sabers as well, and I was like, wow, that's terrible. That
1: but, uh, here's the question: Could any coach win with that roster? <laughs> like, if you put. Stan Bowman behind the bench. You think he Scotty Bowman. Scotty Bowman, sorry. Stan that Bowman. Is... You put him behind the bench, you probably signed. <laughs> you know
0: what Stan Bowman might be doing better at this point. Yeah.
1: If you if you put Stan Bowman behind the bench, you might sign accidentally sign Brent Seabrook to an eight-year deal. <laughs> and...
0: I that is terrible. I won't go Ralph Kruger with my bet. My bet is gonna be either Travis. I'm I'm splitting my odds. Here. The next ones
1: down are Mike Sullivan, Jeff Ward, John Tortorella, Paul Maurice, Dean Evanson, Dave Tippett. I would,
0: I would think Blassil's got a chance just because he's been there so long now. Okay. Third longest tenured coach in the league, which is such an odd thought. He's done nothing. Eventually, Detroit has to be done its a rebuild. So John Hines, uh, I, what, you think that's it? When
1: we can get John Hines another time, but uh, Jeff Blassil at plus eight hundred, I like that. So and I'll, then I'll write Green- down in my little notebook yeah, for you. I'll I'll jot that down in my little
0: my little book of secrets and hide secrets. that until I probably forget about it in a month or two. <laughs> Uh, and I think Travis Green's got a good shot because Vancouver, I mean, here's the thing. you got to, I, I want to blame Green and he hasn't been great, but man, has that GM, that Benning has done a job on that team. It's exactly the same thing. Like, who, who, who's going to win with that roster? Like, okay, but who's going to do this badly with
1: that roster? I mean, that's another <laughs> question. That's it, <laughs> like, <laughs> it's again, who, it's not who can win. It's who, who could patch the holes in the ship. <laughs> um, anyways. Yeah, sorry, not to interrupt your your point.
0: I was just, I, I think it's one thing that's interesting to me is you brought it up before, like coaches end up staying with the team way too long, very often. Mm-hmm. But like the difference between that and how quickly players get given up on sometimes is insane to me.
1: Yeah, Josh Hosang says hi.
0: Man, like the fact that no one's taking a chance on him realistically is ridiculous. It's, it's too bad
1: yeah it really is
0: it really is uh but like i wonder if the read like when you look at a player traded versus a coach fired do you read it as when a gm trades a player he's getting an asset there's this and that if he fires a coach it's a failure for hiring that coach why do you think it is that it's so much more of a there's so much more safety in coaching than than as a player
1: i mean it comes down to the fact that the gms are hiring these coaches and gms never want to admit when they're wrong because that would mean um, doing something. <laughs> it's the same reason we always hear a year GMs being like, Oh, we couldn't get a trade together. And then you see the NBA put together like a four team trade in six hours with seven first round picks and two superstars. And like, like someone ends up in some random player ends up in Cleveland and they work out like their weird salary cap rules in between that. So it's, I think I miss- like you said, it's a conservative league. In fact, that transactions means risk. Mm-hmm. So Marc Bergevin now being on his third coach probably means it's, 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 it's probably his last coach. He, maybe oh, he'll yes. hire someone in the off season. Um, I think Marc Antoine Godin said, wrote this in the athletic, but uh, you know, Bergevin's is tied to the next coach. And if the next coach fails, it's difficult to imagine Bergevin's tenure in Montreal lasts much longer.
0: Which is why I think two things, one, which is what makes me think that Ducharme has a bit of a leash unless they like just, like just crater out this season and two is why I think he's been groomed to be this next hedge coach because Bergevin doesn't hire him as an assistant with that in mind you know what I mean and now let's be honest too they've got another coach who's a GM waiting in the wings Bouchard in the AHL was a GM for in junior as well and a pretty well respected one Mm -hmm. who I also have to say just fun fact one of my favorite interviews I've ever done (laughs) is with Joel Bouchard just like a really cool communicator, really great ideas, just awesome hockey brain. Yeah. Fantastic interview. Fun fact. But
1: does he, does he have a tongue like a lizard?
0: I don't think anyone can match the wonderful <laughs> uh, tongue of Matt Zuccarello, And I hate that. I just said that sentence, but that's in the world now. Good times.
1: Um, moving, <laughs> that- moving on to the other big news of the week. It's the Jack Eichel trade watch. Um, let me just ask you this quick yes or no question. Do you believe Jack Eichel is getting traded this season?
0: No, but I think it's going to come closer than it's ever been. And I think the off season, we might see it. I think the deal is too big to happen in season, especially with quarantine, with restrictions, with a shortened season. I think we'll see less trades in general this season. Mm-hmm. Although now Columbus is saying they're uncomfortable and they want to make a move. So who knows? Yeah.
1: And so, you know, in Columbus having an issue retaining players or wanting more star players, we haven't seen this story before.
0: Yeah. I just, Eichel is one of those players where there's some players that reach a certain talent level where it's going to be impossible to make a deal. And then there's ones who are very, very good, like Eichel, and it just becomes complicated to make the deal. You know what I mean? Because it's not like you look at other sports like the NFL, for example, First round picks have such value there. Those are immediate impact players. Mm-hmm. First round val- picks have value here. But if you say, I'm going to trade three first round picks for a guy in the NFL, that's talking about a superstar. You're doing that. If someone said, I'll give you three first round picks for Eichel, they're getting laughed out of the room because it's not, the, it's not fair value. You, think, like, you, you know, think that's, that's not enough. Three first round picks. Again, if you get Eichel, he's going to a team where that those first round picks are probably going to be in the twenties. It, it does depend on the team, but exactly. if, Look, if he sent those to, if they're Ottawa picks, yeah, maybe I'd look at that because then you're going, if you know it's going to be three top 10 picks, sure. But if I'm getting pick 12, pick 25, and pick 22, woof, I don't want to. Those those definitely
1: aren't the only pieces in in a a potential trade with Jack Eichel. That's what I'm saying. I think that definitely pushes the needle. Three first round picks, I think pushes the needle
0: pushes the needle but i can't i would not take that it it needs a piece to center around you know know what i mean those are complementary pieces for me in an nhl trade is what i'm trying to say
1: then let me run a couple scenarios by you in terms of potential jack eichel trade destinations and moves and counterparts coming back to buffalo unfortunately for them um the the main one i've heard is uh on the puck soup podcast um was brought up the potential of a New Jersey Devils with Buffalo with a Buffalo Sabers trade, um, the two pieces that were discussed mostly on, on the podcast between uh, Roshinski, uh, Ryan Lambert, and Sean McAdoo were um, Eichel for either Nico Hischier and picks and you know whatever else they the yeah. the B the B tier players and prospects needed for that trade to happen, and uh, or uh, Jack Hughes
0: straight and out. the same
1: thing. So you either have. Jack Hughes for Nico Hischier, mostly straight up, or Jack Hughes for Jack, or Jack Hughes for Jack Eichel, mostly straight up.
0: Mm, I wonder. And, I feel like I first. And I, 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 I bring this
1: up because Greg Ruzinski said no to a Jack Hughes for Jack Eichel trade because Jack Hughes is probably he said Jack Hughes will be better than Jack Eichel, which is where the contention becomes in. in
0: I look at that trade and I.
1: I don't if make you're it. New Jersey. I think you take that trade in a second. If you get that call and we're like we'll give you Jack Heckel for Jack Hughes, you take that trade right away.
0: I probably end up taking it, but I don't take it as quick as you say. I feel like both of them are guys that I feel like should be more than they are. Even but. at this stage, I'm not. T- I'm not one of those people being like, oh, you didn't put up fifty in his first year. Oh, he's a bust. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> the Same people that are now like on oh, Alexi Lafreniere, who is going to be a star in this league. There's no question in my mind about that. Yeah.
1: Who's he playing? Who's it, like who's Alexi Lafreniere playing with right now? You know, look at
0: his line mates. Exactly. So that says a lot. Um, but I think I would make that trade. But it's two guys that I just, I, Eichel. I think is one of the better players in this league. No question.
1: He's a top ten forward in the league for me. Top 10, eh? Yeah, I put him there. I think, I think I'm think i really high on him. I think he's just stuck on an, a pretty awful team.
0: Would you take him above Ovechkin? I don't mean overall. Right. I mean, as a player. I don't mean all around all these skills. Would you take him as a better player than Ovechkin? Right now, today? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Really? <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> I mean, prime Ovechkin versus prime Eichel. No, I mean, you like take you Ovechkin. in not a contest. But today, yes.
0: I still take Ovi the 50-goal score.
1: But is, is Ovi a 50-goal score... To he today
0: 49 last year and I, I know today. Yeah. To okay. I, again, and I again, I'm not
1: mad. At, I don't, I don't well, think I'm mad at it's that. It's a shortened season, but, but I right now provides more value than Ovechkin. I believe as a player,
0: that's an art, that's a debate. You know, that's, that's a yeah. fair debate and I, and I, I lean towards it, but I would probably list Ovechkin as a better forward. Look, I think he is so full of skill and it's tough for me to balance out because Buffalo really is a dark pit just as a place and a sports entity. Um, and I say that with the Buffalo Bills still doing well. Oh, don't, don't chirp the bills, man. That's my team. I'm not chirping them. I said they're doing well. I don't, I, I,
1: like I know, them. but you said it, I, I could see it in your face. You didn't mean it.
0: I, <laughs> I, <if laughs> I was wrong about Josh Allen for years. I chirped, I chirped that draft pick. I chirped a lot about it.
1: I knew he, I, that's like one of my two good sports predictions. One
0: was Luka Doncic turning out good. And two was Josh Allen turning out. I was really wrong. I was a Rosen truther for that draft. Ooh, I'm I sorry. I liked him, yeah. but anyway, back back to yeah. hockey. I I just wonder, like, man, Eichel is fantastic, but at what point do you have to be not not enough to carry it, but but just a bit better than your circumstances? Mm-hmm. You know, look, well, is, is 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 Edmonton a better case than Buffalo? Absolutely. Is mc McDa- But but you look at McDavid, who is he? And he McDavid, has
1: Leon Drysidel beside him. Who not always had Leon Drysaddle? And, dry and I, I've tri- again, I've tripped Leon Drysaddle a lot because I've always thought this is a guy who just rides the coattails of uh, Connor McDavid, and to an extent, he does. But I think the difference between them has closed, where McDavid is clearly the better hockey player. Yep. But Drysaddle has shored up a lot of the defensive issues that I had problems with last season, uh, and now he's like probably also a top five forward in the league. Like so, when you have two of the top five forwards on one team, I think it's going to go pretty well for you. Jack Eichel in 370 games has 351 points on the Buffalo Sabres on the late 2010 Buffalo Sabres. He has 351
0: points in 370 games. I'm looking at his points here. I'm looking at his points. He's had, look, last year was a shortened season. So I'm going to round up here. He's had two seasons of over 80 points. Yeah. He's had three seasons where he's either over or around a point per game. I think he's a damn good player. Yes. A damn good player. But I I wonder, the one thing that might scare me as a GM is, and I'm not saying he won't, but is he going to be your game breaker? Or is he going to be a game breaker when he's in a situation with another one? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I don't mean he can't be the guy, but does he need... What do you mean? He has former MVP Taylor Hall beside him. That's look, we both, I think we both agree that Warhol <laughs> does belong in that overrated conversation. Yeah. And I I'm not going to lie. It's a little bit hilarious to see him take the contract he did for one year and have this happen because or maybe it's
1: big brain strategy. He like goes to Buffalo has a, a tougher year and then signs in Colorado for like three years, 4 million each. That would be a big
0: brain move by Colorado. I don't know I, if Colorado's like poisoning his water. Taylor Hall out
1: here playing 40 chess, baby.
0: But what, 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 what did he get of us? I guess a he has to go to
1: Colorado. <laughs> he could have done that.
0: <laughs> Oh, that's a contract. You know what? There's a player. I wonder, is I bring up Colorado. Is Eichel waiting for his his McKinnon breakout where McKinnon was, was damn good for a while, but he yeah. was always kind of like, eh, is like, does he need more or a new environment or does. And then, then we saw McKinnon who, in my opinion, is probably the second best player in the league today.
1: I think that's, I mean, I think I'm on board with that. I can agree with Nathan McKinnon being the second best player in the league. Uh, I think Jack Eichel is closer to a Panarin than he is a hall. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a, a pretty good range for his ceiling. And then I'm looking at like, if it's a trade destination Obviously, money has to be coming back to the Sabers because of Eichel's contract. contract. But even Eichel's contract is not that—it's not that like it's not unmovable.
0: I think it's worrisome in a flat cap world.
1: I think hundred percent. But in terms of where he could go, I would be interested in seeing what team. First of all, what teams are interested? The main ones we've seen are the Rangers, the Kings, the Devils. Apparently, Um, I'm sure. Lou Lamarello has like turned his phone over to not even think about the possibility because why would you ever add fun to your team? Um If I'm the Kings, I don't do it. Who but do you think you're if, if it's you're the Kings and they call you and they're like Quentin By- we want Quentin Bifield as the main piece in a Jack Eichel trade? Do you think Quentin Byfield's gonna be a better player than Jack Eichel?
0: No. Oh man. It's just you look at the ceiling. No, okay. where's Quinton Byfield ceiling? Where's Jack Eichel ceiling? Ceiling okay. Ceiling. I think his ceiling is better than Jack Eichel. Do I think he hits it? Probably not. Grand majority not. I don't think most players hit their ceiling, even great. Right,
1: and then maybe in his mean, his like his mean average kind of season skill level potential value.
0: Okay, hot a take lot of
1: keywords take. there. That's good quick. SEO, baby.
0: Quick, quick hot take here. That's gonna, yeah. bring, I guess, show where I'm. At. I think Quinton Byfield has the potential to be the to be better than Alexi Lafreniere or Tim Stutzler.
1: That is a pretty hot
0: take. It is. I recognize that. I don't remember the last time I saw a player with that size and skill level so put together. It's Mm -hmm. it's still raw. Don't get me wrong. It's still raw. But at that age for it to be as put together as it is, that's a scary player in the league. That is, his offensive instincts are so fantastic.
1: It's going to be fun to see how he develops for sure. I and think I, if it's okay. any trade yeah. with the, the, the LA Kings and the Buffalo Sabres, I cast think away. Byfield is a, is, a, is a main piece of that move.
0: As someone who enjoys watching the Habs, I would much rather not have Byfield in the Atlantic. Uh, <laughs> I
1: think most teams would agree with you. Um, yeah. I think if you're I'm, – I'm trying to think of other destinations for Jack Eichel. The Rangers seems like the obvious one just because of the amount of cap space they have um that's another one where they're probably asked for a, a capo caco or b a left back i don't know what else more the rangers have to offer in terms of value maybe throw a chris crider in there just for fun maybe throw a uh you know a yes like i was saying yes per foster he's not even on that team anymore like a philip cheadle yeah. like uh like there's not much else on that team maybe one of the goalies maybe korokiev goes back and
0: buffalo finally gets a goalie um yeah this is the problem see when i look at a lot of teams I go. Could they benefit from Michael? Yes, for most of them, absolutely. Does he fit salary wise? Yes, for quite a few. Do they have the prospects to send back? Yeah. Now yeah. you're starting to like parse you're, down the they, list. You definitely
1: teeter off the the number of candidates.
0: That's what I'm saying. And then, do they have prospects that Buffalo can use? You know what I mean? Not just high. Buffalo prospects, could
1: just use anybody. Anybody they could,
0: with a. I could no. you know move to Quebec or to you know Texas. Maybe <laughs> just. Made me just Be out of there out of that (laughs) maybe new owners because the Pegulas are the Pegulas yeah Um, yeah I I just don't know this is why I don't think a trade works out in season because I think it's one of those trades that's going to take a lot of planning and I don't want to cop out by being like well I don't know where he's gonna go but I don't because it's it it could end up being a three-way trade which you know what man it's I'm not here for your
1: speculative like your non-decisive gun to your head interviewing with you, Tony Stark in the cave, you're in front of the camera, they ask you, where is Jack Eichel going? What are you saying?
0: Uh, Okay, if I have to pick, if I have to pick, if I have to pick. And who's coming back?
1: And who's coming back? Yeah, like I said, gun to your head, man. These guys are not messing around. They want answers.
0: If Columbus had a better prospect pool, if Columbus had a good prospect pool, I think that is a trade that, that... they're scared enough to make right now mm.
1: Ooh. who who would they send back Do you think they, they part ways with line a that quickly
0: no i don't think they trade line a that's the thing i don't think they have the assets to make it So okay i'm gonna scratch my the total,
1: it's like nhl like it's like Chell when you're like loading up and you put like jack Eichel on one end, and you're like okay, okay. bjork strand wall you know <laughs> yeah Worrensky, uh the a third round pick and so and so and it adds up
0: Look, I think if you had to make a trade in season this year, yeah, I think the Rangers are likely. I okay. think that, that's the easy, boring answer of if it had to happen, that's where it's going.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But, and I, I don't think the devils do it uh, because I I don't know. I, I look at that team and I don't know if they want to move that center core. I think they like Hichier and Hughes going forward a lot. And I don't think it's about Eichel there. I think it's, they'd rather stick with what they know than what they don't. Mm-hmm. I think I think we could see a big, maybe three-way trade happen in the offseason when it's calmer, when they can plan. Because the last really big, again, you're right, trades are very
1: complicated. That's why yep. James Harden didn't move this season,
0: and that's why <laughs> <laughs> look, I just the last such a cop out for NHL GM trade.
1: sometimes when I see so what the last... NBA does.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, just think about it. the last big three-way trade, the little, like really meaningful one we saw was the Matt Shane trade. Yeah, How was that years ago now?
1: Two, three years uh, ago.
0: And that was in season, fair. But that was one where it was a player we knew was moving. We knew mm-hmm. things were going to happen there. And that didn't turn out great for anyone but Colorado, let's be honest. <laughs> as, as most things kind of have have worked yeah. out. Don't trade with Colorado. It doesn't. Joe Sackic will
1: just take your wallet and then you'll thank him. And it's just. Well, it's why a am bad, I taking re- a what for happened? A disaster every time. Clothes.
0: I'm wearing his clothes now. What, what kind of like weird like clown <laughs> trick did he pull? You <laughs> we went through the little spinny door and suddenly he has my hat? What? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you you have New York. Uh, I'm going to go a, a
1: different route to a team that could really use, could re- really use anybody, much like Buffalo. That's yeah. The Detroit Red Wings. <laughs> Steve, Steve Eiserman, I feel like, he's he's anxious, I feel, to flip the switch on this rebuild and start hitting the gas and winning games. He's a guy who wants to win. He said so from day one since he got brought onto uh, the Detroit organization. The question is, what goes back in that trade? It's it's very difficult to not say Anthony Mantha and Zadina and probably Svechnikov. Like I'm just like those are the only real pieces of value because of their age and because of their skill level. Obviously, you're not trading Dylan Larkin, but
0: Horonic maybe goes in. Horonic
1: maybe as like a sweetener and maybe a, a draft pick, but. Uh, Jack Eichel and Dylan Larkin coming down on you on a rush is just such a deadly duo that again I'm team chaos, I'm team fun I want to see it
0: you I want the entertaining product
1: on. Jack Eichel in New York with Panarin and Lafganeau would be sick uh, Eichel in New Jersey with either one of Heesher or Hughes would be very cool uh, Columbus with Lining would be very cool I think Jack Eichel is a player that fits in well almost anywhere, like you said, and it's just now a matter of the details. It's also a matter of does he actually want to leave? Yes, but does he, you know, want to leave? Quote unquote?
0: Is he willing to publicly say? Can we just? I don't think he's going to have his PP smacked to bring back maybe the greatest hockey quote. <laughs> of of does he want to have his PP publicly smacked for saying I want to leave? Oh, oh my uh, goodness. Which that might that might rival the lizard tongue quote as mentioned earlier. It's def- <laughs> but it's look, contender. I think it's just quick note on Detroit: if he goes there and plays with Larkin, you know they could have two helicopter lines with no wings on either side.
1: I and I love that. It's, you want team chaos? That's it. In chaos, baby, let's go. Dylan Larkin, Bobby Ryan, and Jack Eichel on the power play. Let's do it. <laughs> that, Sam Gagne and Mark Stahl can go out there too. Let's let's let's, <laughs> let's make it happen.
0: There it is. That's a perfect five-man unit. You know what? You don't even need a goalie for that. <laughs> and they don't. They, they barely use one. Steve Eiserman um, gets back on the ice as the sixth man. <laughs> oh, my god We'll goodness. have to see where this one goes. We'll have to um, see where this one goes. Are
1: there any other uh, final notes you want to you wanna bring up uh, before we wrap this thing up? Uh, besides yep. the fact, I just want to bring up quickly, uh, Troy Stetcher, I love him. Uh, I think he's awesome. Send him to a good team so he can win a
0: cup. I think he's cool. I think there is one destination we haven't thought of for Eichel, and I'll end on this note, head coach of the Montreal Canadiens. He's already got got GM experience. Let's make it happen. I want him dressed as
1: Russell Crowe in the nice guys, like an (laughs) eighties detective. And I want him smoking a cigarette the whole time. And I would love that character evolution for him. What an arc.
0: I want to see him in the old school like jacket, like like the leather, like the, the Mark <laughs> post-Julier uh firing jacket. Let's see him get jacked like Bergerman Let's see bicep. <laughs> just them and Trevor Timmons lifting all day. go <laughs> great. I'd like to see it. Um,
1: anyways, that's gonna be the uh end of this episode of the Nosebleeds podcast. Uh Don, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Dustin K. Fleming. Where can they find you, my friend? Same thing on Twitter, uh, Matthew underscore Coit or on my blog, Matthew Coit, where I post uh, these podcasts. And you can listen to this podcast on Spotify, Anchor, Apple Music, not Apple Music, Apple Podcast, um, Google Podcasts, other podcast sites, probably. If you
0: want it to be on Apple Podcast? tell us. We'll sing. No one will enjoy it, but I will.
1: <laughs> for the people. Thanks for uh, listening, everybody.
0: Cheers.